Welcome to a new series of Bob Into Buildings. The first of this new series, I'm revisiting Castle Russian with Alison Fox from Manx National Heritage. On our last visit, we finished our tour with a look around the Treasury. We now visit the Dining Hall. scene that's um, meant to uh, depict uh, about AD 1507 when Thomas Stanley, who's uh, the guy sort of sat in the middle of the big chain, he was in charge of the island, he was Lord of Man, and he came over and this is him having a little bit of a discussion about how laws are interpreted and things like that here. So we've got the abbot of Russian Abbey on one side, we've got the lieutenant governor uh, and we've got the uh, the guy called the comptroller as well who is sort of um, chief admin officer pretty much for, for the regime. Um, and again, we've got more wall hangings in here. Um, these ones really... Um, emphasise the the heritage and the lineage of the the Stanley family as well, which is uh, which was a very popular thing to show in those times. You know how how um, how far back in history and how important your family had been. Did the Stanleys spend much time here? Most of them didn't really. Mm. Um, certainly, the the first two didn't. Um, but that's not to say that they didn't have um, some very important influences on the island. Uh, it was um, John Stanley, for instance, that first really uh, demanded that the laws of the island be written down up until the early 1400s, um, and they still say this at Tinwell Day, you know, the law is spoken from the breast, it's breast law. So it was always passed down that way. He essentially um, came to rule the island and he said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know the laws because nobody's told me to so write them down. Otherwise, you know, how am I expected to uphold them? Um, so we had some very good influences like that. Um, Thomas Stanley, who we see here, came over. And then in the, in the Civil War period in the 1600s, uh, we had uh, James Stanley. And he, he and his family spent more time here. But presumably when Stanley wasn't here, it was the comptroller that... that did most of the business. Yeah, it was the left- He would have been based here. Yes, yes, and the, the lieutenant governor or the, the Lord's representative. Um, also, the abbot and the bishops still had a lot of power in these days as well. Um, the bishops were uh, appointed through Trondheim in Norway um, and they were, they were very powerful, certainly uh, up, until the, up until the 1300s. Um, so it would have been... Um, uh, not, not exactly ruled by committee, uh, but you know there would have been a few people here that were um, that were very powerful and oversaw the running of the island. And a bit of a power struggle going on between them as well. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, there always is, isn't there? Always okay, is. so we've got the lords at the table. How far away are the kitchens? The kitchens, uh, we think, we have one um, displayed, we have a room displayed as a kitchen on the next floor down. Um, and we think that's probably not far off the truth. You wouldn't have the kitchens too far because obviously you don't want... You don't want food. The, the, yeah, <laughs> and you don't want the Lord having to, you know, put up with all the, you know, all those smells and noises and things like that coming from the kitchen. So you didn't want it too close. Um, so the whole, the whole idea was you'd have the kitchen a little bit further away, um, but near enough that you know, the, the servants could collect the food and it would still be warm by the time it got here. And this uh, being served in a banqueting hall like this was the big, um, was like a, a, a big deal. It was, a, it was the big event, you know, big procedure. You'd have your napkins in a certain place in a certain order. Things were brought to the table in a certain order. Um, the way we've 
uh, sort of done this here today, uh, you'll see there's a there's a space um, on the front of that table, and that's for the peacock uh, that uh, the guy is. Uh, bringing in uh, so he's about to put the peacock down on the table as well so all very much manners and again going back to the Hollywood films you know where people are stabbing things with a fork and you know um, chewing the chewing a big lamb leg or something like that it, you know it wasn't like that at all they were very uh, sort of set procedures for meal times. And presumably depending on the number of guests depends how number of tables are set out in this room. Yeah and that would depend on how important you were really because it you know it was pretty much by invitation or it was only the the top part of society that would be. So we you and I would have been invited. Then. Well I'm not sure you would I don't know about me maybe <laughs> have me moments <laughs> no neither of us would have been in there. <laughs> But the dogs come in. But yeah, the dogs come in, they sort of sneaked in. And, uh, but, I mean, dogs get into all sorts of places, don't they? Because everybody goes, oh. Oh, so, that nice. Dogs and cats. Throw found a bit every, of meat. Found everywhere, dogs and cats, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where are we going now? We're going back downstairs. Yeah, we'll go back down the uh, prison staircase and uh, we'll have a look in what we call the presence chamber uh, where we have uh, a mannequin of James Stanley sat on his chair of state. So we, we have the... Um, the wall hangings here are slightly different, they're embroidered. We have uh, what we call the surrender inventory, so an inventory of what was at the castles um, after... Uh after the surrender, essentially, and they list. They don't list what was in each room, but they list things like uh, gold, uh, gold and red damask cloth. Um, so we've used that to recreate these wall hangings. Um, the chances are actually that this. Uh, these wall hangings would have actually been in Derby House, which is the building uh, sort of opposite the opposite the castle in the same complex. Um, the Stanley family by the 1600s were living in Derby House rather than inside the castle. Um, but uh, again, it just gives this impression of you know this time of living in the, the grand um, the grand rooms that uh, that were around. And where Stanley's sitting, presumably this is where he would have held audience. Yeah, that's uh, we call it the presence chamber because you're in the you'll be in the presence. In the, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is where uh, people could come, perhaps. Uh, perhaps a bit more formally than um, at meal times. Uh, they could be presented to him more formally and present their businesses or, um, you know, or complaints or, you know... They would people. plead their case. Yeah, yeah, essentially. To directly to the Lord. Yes, yes, yeah. He doesn't look very happy, does he? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he's been sat there all winter. Now we're going to go down one more floor? Yes, we'll uh, go back down to the uh, ground floor level in the courtyard and uh, just go and have a, a quick look in one of the rooms for uh, the changes that were made in the prison period. You took me up another spiral staircase. You said we were going down. Well, we did, to be fair, uh, but then, then we, we, up then again. we came up again. Yeah, that's uh, uh, again the nature of the buildings, really. Um, yeah, just to this, um, the first part of the, the castle that the visitor sees when they start going up um, are basically undressed rooms um, that have just got whitewash and some furniture in them, um, but. This side really brings home the conditions in the prison period. Um, we're standing on stone floor now. Mm -hmm. um, we were on wooden planks before. And when the building was converted uh, to be the official prison, um, any timber flooring was taken up and we've got some... Um, they look fantastic, but slate slab lintels now on the floors on this side of the room because they lift them up and get through them but also you can't set fire to them as well so there's all these sort of architectural bits that were um, that were added in and changed to make the building function as a prison as well it's cold 
it's really cold and um, you know it's cold in it's cold in summer that you know, the walls are thick they're yeah, stone yeah. Um, you know in a prison period you, you'd have had your own clothes um, you know what blankets were provided perhaps what blankets you know if you had any friends and family on the outside would provide you uh, and it's um, you know you, you look at the reports in the newspapers from the late 1800s and you know there's people starting to say the conditions in that prison are awful we need a new prison um then there's a, a movement to get a new prison built at victoria road and in the newspapers as well you get people writing in saying well that new prison at victoria road's like a luxury hotel what you know so mm. it's it, <laughs> history rewrites yeah, itself it's, i think there are there are parallels but i mean the, you know questions were being asked um in the uk about the conditions at castle russian jail um you know during the certainly yeah. during the mid late 1800s and you know it's, it's certainly not certainly not a pleasant place to be this is bob into buildings talking to alison fox from manx national heritage as we now walk outside the keep at castle russian and move to the elevated walkway which surrounds the keep as people drive through Castletown and come round the side of the castle they'll be f- very familiar with the low stone wall that's actually grassed now the sort of grassy bank that's the glasses originally that would have been paved on the top rather than having the grass on the top um, that would have been added in the 1500s and if you look at the outside of the castle that's where you can see how it was adapted to suit the change in the types of things that were being fired from it and at it. Um, you can see the narrow, the very narrow windows in the, the central, the keep of the castle, um, which were arrow slits, which were for the bow and arrows. But if you look on the outside of the walls, you see the glacis that was meant to diffuse cannon fire or ammunition. The cannonballs would more than likely hit the paved surface first and bounce off. But also you can see in some of the smaller rooms on the perimeter of the castle, you see that the windows almost look like keyhole shaped and they were put in for guns so you get the gun loops rather than the arrow slits as well so again we see the castle being adapted it wasn't just built as a ta-da this is the castle it was changed adapted extended um, throughout the 800 years that it's been here is there evidence i can't see it of any cannonballs hitting the walls no we haven't we haven't we have got documentary evidence when the local architect Armitage Rigby was brought in in the early 1900s to remove some of the changes, some of the more intrusive changes that were made during the prison period. He documented finding a very large cannonball uh, right at, at the very base of the castle, which might have been fired in anger. Um, but we haven't really got any firm evidence for the castle under siege apart from the Robert the Bruce in the 1313s but it's it's an insurance so just because it didn't happen that didn't mean that they didn't think it would and certainly at the time when in the late 1300s when the castle was really completed to the height that we see it today and then in the 1500s which was the next main period of its adaptation both of those periods then the island was pretty much controlled by the English crown and at that time the English crown were paranoid about the Scots as 
quite it's often, often, the, <laughs> often the case but also by the French and the Spanish as well and if we think about again where the Isle of Man is then you know people coming up the English Channel to attack England up from the west coast or coming down from Scotland in the north so the Isle of Man had to be held it had to be a safe place so um, that's why this building adapted this walkway, what date is it? Perimeter area was really completed really by the 1500s. The glasses that we see uh, that's now grass covered was the 1500s and there okay. was some adaptation to the um, entrance. The first part that most visitors come into, that was changed, that was added in the 1500s as well. Because the walls uh, are quite high, six, two, something like that. So this was for defensive for the people here who could then nip out through the slits and throw whatever or fire whatever at the people that were trying to invade. Yeah, it's, it, it's about protection of the people, not yeah. only from incoming, incoming fire, but also incoming weather <laughs> because it's, you know, it, it's an exposed place. A garrison like this, any ideas of the numbers of soldiers that would have been here? Yeah, we, we've got lists actually from, we've got garrison roll from the 1400s and then we've got later records from the 1600s and at any time there could be anywhere between 35 up to 60 soldiers here um, not just soldiers some of those uh, some of the staff were, were uh, we've got um, drummers we had drummers here a couple of drummers um, watchmen as well as the soldiers as well so it was it was a, a real community in here have you had a chance to look at the surnames are they locals or are they all generally from across generally the early ones are from across uh -huh. so uh, certainly the garrison role of the 1400s there are a few local names on but Again, that's because the castle was imposed. It was built for uh, people who weren't from the island. The, it was built for um, to maintain the island from whoever owned it, usually in England at that time. So it's perhaps not too surprising that it certainly started off being um, staffed by people who want who weren't from the island but as time went on and as it became more part of the community then uh, more local people were were brought in um, it, you'd have thought with the castle of this size it would have been a good job for for one of the local lads who was just tending the fields or something like that yeah certainly it would have been um, you know stable employment regular employment and you know, we see a, a similar sort of thing with um, with Russian Abbey funnily enough too you know that originally the monks would have come from across uh, but as time went on, then lay brothers were employed and they would have been local people as well. Because I'm assuming in this sort of hierarchy that you've got here, that if a local lad came here, made good, advancement for, for a local lad? Yeah, definitely. They could have uh, worked their way up, um, certainly amongst the castle staff, amongst the garrison mm. staff, but also a lot of local people were, you know, really quite pivotal in the in society as well. So, I mean, you know, the, the classic one, I guess, is William Christian, Ilium Doan, uh, you know, so closely tied into the castle, the story of Castle Russian during the, the Civil War period. Um, you know, he was a local lad made good or bad, depending on your point of view. As we peer over the walls, there's sort of... You can see where things have been added on and things have been taken off and things like this. Um, the circular thing at the far end there, is that a well? It is, yeah. It's one of the wells. There's a, a few wells on site. Um, obviously, that's one of the key things you need is fresh water. Mm. If you're worried that you're going to be under siege, you need to make sure you get water. Uh, you've got access to water, so we've got that. 
over the over the years there have been buildings um, against these wall walks inside uh, inside this inner bailey as we call it um, the buildings uh, range from we've got plans of stables in here we know also that there was a workshop for coinage here as well we know that okay. coins were minted on the Isle of Man from about 1733 um, and uh, of course, if you're going to if you're going to be making coins, you need a fairly secure place to do that. And of course, inside a castle is a really good place. So we know that it was um, uh, perhaps not um, what we what we think of as a mint now inside the walls of the castle, but certainly a workshop for coinage as well. We're looking down on grass. I'm assuming that wouldn't have been grass. That would have been gravel or something. Yeah, like yeah, it would have. Um, it would have just been um, a, a fairly probably grim muddy surface really with uh, perhaps just some some stone and uh, things like that put down to just try and uh, make it a little bit more stable we have done um, some excavations inside the castle there were some done in the I think it was the 1990s um, which did show up I think some flagstones in, in part of the keep. It is typically a castle and you look at the castle and it I'm sorry I'm going to insult you now it's not pretty as some castles are but I'm standing here and we're looking at the walkway there and the side of the walkway after where that piece just juts out the, the walkway overhangs the wall and there's some lovely ornate carved works there. They try it. I think beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? I mean, I think uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, but you look at a bit of stone and think it looks good. It's, it's impressive, isn't it? And ah. striking, perhaps. Ah. It's all right, it's pretty impressive. How about we uh, yeah, all right. agree yeah, on right, that? Right. Okay. It's strange, actually, looking at it. The size of the stone, the bigger stones are towards the top and the smaller stones are towards the bottom. That is what? Work that's been added on further up, is it? Yeah, and it's one of the ways we can tell or try and work out which phase, which phase is which. Building techniques got a bit more sophisticated, then people were able to quarry and move the bigger cuboid blocks of lim limestone that we see here. I mean, all the limestone that we see here was quarried from Scarlet just down the road, um, whereas the, you know, the earlier periods seem to be a bit more, the stone's a little bit more rubbly. Uh, it's not quite as uh, perhaps well-dressed as the, the okay. later material. So you just ring the quarry up and say, we want another 300 stones today, please, lads. <laughs> That's right, and no doubt they'll say, well, yeah, it's waiting here for you, come and yeah. get it. Yeah, be ready at the end of the week. Moving along, we've come to a room. Yeah, and these are these uh, sort of like little square rooms are the ones you can see from Castletown Square, and if you, you're stood in front of the old House of Keys looking back at the castle, you can see these little square rooms with the rectangular windows with the, the old-style lead diamond windows in them. These were originally built as gun towers uh, for defence but in the later period they were used as debtor cells so people who were imprisoned for debt were uh, not always kept in the middle of the keep with the, um, with the other prisoners. They could perhaps uh, be kept in slightly better conditions and perhaps have their own food bought in as well. Uh, so latterly these were used as, as the debtor cells. On the walkway, we also have to remember that Castle Russian was once the island's prison. It's not just Castle Russian um, that that applies to. Many of the castles throughout Britain were used as prisons. Again, it goes back to very first principles of what a castle is about. It's about to keep people in, safe, and it's there to stop people getting in if you don't want them in. So, you know, the, the absolutely perfect places for prisons. Castle Russian, the inside was adapted using, again, the, the fantastic local 
local stone. A lot of the wooden floors were taken up and this local stone was laid down to form uh, prison cells. So it was used in some form as a prison, certainly from the 1600s, but it was during the 1800s that it was definitely adapted to become the prison for the Isle of Man. And it's lucky because you've got quite a lot of records from that period, which you can go back and look at. Yeah, we've got a really great collection of archive material from some of the the years of the prison period. Uh, We've had a, a really dedicated group of volunteers recently working with our archives team looking to digitise some of the Castle Russian jail registers and these were basically the the registers of each inmate. They describe, they of course name and describe the inmate, what they were put in for, but there's also photographs of these people as well. We also have extracts um, or collections of the surgeon diaries. One of the most well-known surgeons for Castle Russian was Dr John Clegg. He was a very prominent figure in Manx Cultural Society. He was a very keen collector of local music and folklore, uh, but he was also a very well-qualified surgeon. He was surgeon at the castle um, for a, quite a, a long period of time in the late 1800s, and his diaries really give us an insight into the conditions that the prisoners were in when they were here. Male and female? Male and female, adult and child. Uh, we know that some people died in the castle, prisoners. We know that some children were born in the castle uh, when their mothers were imprisoned here. And it's, um, it's a really sobering read, you know, some of, the, some of the, the entries that are in there. Having said that, there are also some lighter moments as well. Dr, Dr. Clegg obviously had uh, uh, quite a good sense of humour as well and some of his, uh, some of his phrasing of how, the, uh, of how some of the prisoners were is, is quite... It's quite endearing as well, really. Wouldn't have liked the job, though. No, no, I think it would, have been, uh, it would have been a very tough job, I think. And underlying all the entries that Dr Clegg made is this, is this feeling that he cared. You know, he, it wasn't just a job for him. He, he did genuinely care about, uh, about the conditions in the building. And so was he quite forward-thinking about getting prisoners' conditions better? I think he was very keen to, to do what he could to improve improved a lot of the prisoners but he, he wasn't he wasn't alone we we can look at the newspapers from the mid 1800s onwards really and you start to see a groundswell of opinion in the letters pages but also in the columns that you know the conditions within the prison at castle russian were were just too much you know um they were getting just too much for people punishments punishments could range from in the early days stone breaking you know there was a stone breaking yard we're talking about how the area is grassed over now it looks quite nice with the daisies Uh, but this would have been divided in the prison period into female exercise yard male exercise yard and also stone breaking yard as well so it was hard physical punishment we also know they were making um, oakum from ropes as well so basically pulling this stuff apart physical work and just seems that most of it was hard labor there was yeah, never an easy life yeah I, I don't think it was a particularly easy life in here um, um but it's i think there's a there's a danger in i think you've got to look at individual cases and there's a lot of cases where we look at some of the prisoners in there and we think oh my word what you know what a hard life that person had but we mustn't forget that in with those people there were people convicted of serious crimes in the island you know there were people convicted of murder you know the John Kiosh the last 
man to be hanged on the Isle of Man was hanged here at Castle Rush and he was convicted of murder. Um, you know, there are two sides to, to that story as well, but in 1872 he was hanged here. So I think we've got to um, remember that the human side to this as well. And I think that's one of the things that documents like Dr John Clegg's diaries can, can bring about. And I've got an extract from one particular, um, one particular entry from 1864. And Dr Clegg is writing about one of the prisoners and he says... As he presents no symptom of that disease and is fatter than upon admission, I suspect him to be pretending illness to avoid work or obtain other diet. I therefore informed him, as I doubted his illness, that if he really was ill, he should say so, and I would have him removed to the infirmary at the top of the castle, where every attention would be given him. But he must remain above there. He did not accept my offer. So underlying that is this beautiful you know this, this sort of beautiful feeling from Dr Clegg it's like well I'm listening to what he's saying but yeah. come on you know but it has to be said we were saying I was saying about hard labor their lives outside the castle wasn't particularly easy was it so you know it was hard out there and it was hard in here yeah there are very few cases I would imagine where people were relieved to be um, taken off the street and put in, and put in Castle Russian jail. I mean, having said that, there are a couple of entries in the jail registers where prisoners refused to go when their term was served. They didn't want to leave, you know, and, and maybe that was maybe that was an indication of what they were worried they were about to face when they left. Was this also an asylum? It was, yeah, it was. Basically, any, everybody was put in here. Uh, until the until the opening of Balamona, uh, essentially this was a place where everybody was taken. There were um, there were some thoughts to put an asylum at Rushnabi at some stage, but that was um, that never happened. Um, and it really was the people who were imprisoned here, perhaps under. Um, mental for mental health reasons it was really partly that that started the groundswell of opinion that we need to do something about the prison conditions on the island do you feel at home here i don't know that at home is quite okay. the right word i think happy i think it's always quite nice to come to a medieval castle isn't it i think i feel i feel a, a familiarity and so castle russian has always been you know you sort of you, you say it without thinking about it and i think one of the the great things about this job is uh, today you know we see all the visitors coming in and it's hearing their reactions or seeing what they've written in the visitors book and you know when you see people come across the drawbridge first and go oh, wow and you think oh yeah it is isn't it you know you forget we're used to we're used to seeing it you know we're used to it being here but actually it really is wow. Today in Bob Into Buildings, we are focused on Castle Russian in Castletown. My thanks to Alison Fox from Manx National Heritage for the guided tour. You can listen again to this programme and also previous programmes in the first series as podcasts on manxradio.com. I'll be back next week at the same time to focus on another of the island's iconic buildings. Mark Tiley with Greatest Hits is next. So from me, Bob Harrison, good evening.